Welcome to the OIS podcast for innovators in ophthalmology. This week's guest is Dr. Bobby Azamian, co-founder and CEO of Tarsus Pharmaceuticals. Let's listen in. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Hassan Sadri. I'm a board-certified ophthalmologist here in Orange County, California. I'm actually delighted and excited to bring in my good friend for a long, long time, the CEO of Tarsus, Dr. Bobak Azamian, who is just a savant. I'd love for you guys to know him. For those of you who don't know him, we'll go through his background and what, what's exciting about Tarsus um, and the, how they're making really novel uh, inroads in ophthalmology. Bobby, it's so good to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Asan. It's, it's just a joy to be able to do this together. I wish we could be in person, um, but I know we're limited in this environment. And, you know, I'm glad that you and, and all my close friends in ophthalmology and optometry are, are safe and weathering this COVID storm. So looking forward to digging in with you here. Yeah, I owe you a hike. So whenever that clears up, I'll, we'll, I'll take you up on that. Fantastic. Anyway, psyched that you're here for OIS and, uh, you know, just me broadcasting. You know a lot of the ophthalmologists, but for those who don't know you yet, um, you know, I'm going to highlight a little bit uh, of your background. Uh, Bobby's a Harvard guy. Um, we still love him, uh, but he's a super bright, good friend who went to Rice University and uh, did went to University of Oxford um, and got a PhD, which I want you to kind of talk to the audience a little bit about yourself there. And then, you know, I'm always curious what what makes a physician like yourself who has a career in medicine and pivot and go towards um, med device and running a serial entrepreneur. So maybe maybe we start with that. Yeah, that's great. As as I've learned, sometimes it takes folks longer to find ophthalmology, and it took me that. In terms of my background, um, you know, it all I think makes sense in hindsight. So I was always interested in in science and medicine and innovation. So I had the good fortune of um, being at the early days of nanotechnology as that was becoming a, a really important new field in the late 90s. So I worked at, um, uh, at Rice in one of the leading labs, a Nobel uh, Prize winning lab that was a pioneer in nanotechnology. And that led me you know, away from medicine for a bit. And then coming back to medicine, which was always my goal, um, and being in the Harvard system and in Boston, it really um, became clear to me that the way I felt I could have the biggest impact was actually to combine the science, technology, and, and, the, and the medical in terms of starting companies and trying to bring new therapies to market. So, so that's uh, a bit of my journey, and um, it's been a learning experience. You know, I, I joke with my physician friends that after my residency, I did a fellowship in entrepreneurship, so I started out in venture capital, working at a couple of the leading early stage venture capital firms, Third Rock Ventures in Boston, and then Versant Ventures in uh, Orange County. And that's where ultimately I was led to ophthalmology through Versant's leadership there. Uh, Bill Link and others um, ended up uh, finding ophthalmology. And, um, and now with Tarsus, it's um, no looking back. I've had some great experiences and um, developing new treatments for chronic diseases. So um, my first company that I founded and led was a company called Metavention, which is doing great. Um, a very pioneering approach to treating a couple of large chronic diseases, diabetes and fatty liver, with an off-the-shelf technology, in this case a device, targeting the sympathetic nervous system. And I'm happy to report that Metavention is entering its U.S. 
pivotal trials and on a great path to success there. And in a lot of ways, that led me to found Tarsus, which I can tell you more about. Yeah, so so I've you know we can we can spend hours talking about. I remember when you and I would um, grab beers when you were deep in Metavention, and we were just doing a napkin call on Visionary. And um, I remember you were one of the first people that we talked. I talked to about this idea of physicians leading, uh, uh, you know, innovation and really playing play a more pivotal role. So I'm super excited to talk to you about Tarsus. So tell me about tell the audience why blepharitis, why Tarsus, and why. Demodex, and you know, you know, you want to probably uh, educate about uh, how you pivoted to, to finding Tarsus with Michael. Yeah, yeah. So, like a lot of things in life, it really happened by serendipity. So, I had um, a really good fortune along the way to meet another entrepreneur who has become a close friend and business partner, and that's Michael Ackerman, who is known, I think, to the OIS community, um, founder uh, and CEO of Oculive, and also. Um, co-founder and chairman of um, Oyster Point. And so he had had a number of um, really successful and I think impactful experiences in eye care. And we had met actually at Versant. We were both raising our Series A's for Oculive and, and Metavention respectively, both neuromodulation companies, interestingly, um, you know, stimulation with Oculive, the innovation with um, Metavention. And um in a in, in kind of a, a sign of how these conferences can be so um, powerful, we actually run a panel together at, at a conference, um, Young Entrepreneurs Panel, um, which we still qualified for. And um, we got to talking and grabbing beers and said, well, what if we could take this device-like model of entrepreneurship that we, we know and love so uh, so well and actually focus it on pharma? And uh, what that meant to us was, you know, taking an unmet need that maybe hadn't been addressed as um, completely as some. So blepharitis really stood out. Um, and uh, Michael, having worked in dry eye, I think recognized that. Um, taking a target, in this case, Demodex mites, that was very central to the underlying cause of the disease, the pathophysiology, and also very druggable. And then uh, thirdly, taking a drug instead of a device in this case, um, into that disease. And then finally, moving very rapidly and very um, carefully and, and ultimately very successfully through clinical trials. And so with that vision and those four key elements, we founded Tarsus uh, just over three years ago. And I'm happy to report that in the span of just a couple of years, we, we basically achieved all those objectives in terms of um, advancing a drug into clinical trials, having really um, clinical data that exceeded our expectations in terms of effectiveness and safety. And that's allowed us to think even bigger beyond blepharitis, but we certainly know that blepharitis is a huge problem that we're going to be focused on for the long term at Tarsus. That's a terrific overview for those of you listening and thinking about um, being a serial or startup entrepreneur. Those four key elements, I think he just went over, I would write those down. I think, you know, personally, as a physician, I'm really excited because really there isn't anything that we have that on label treats blepharitis. We've got a lot of, you know, old treatments like ointments and warm compress and the whole Demodex issue is very prevalent. And as you and I have talked numerous times, we have noticed that this is a chronic disease um, and really affects outcomes both in contact lens discontinuation, but also 
in post-cataract or post-refractive outcomes because the patient doesn't know, right? They, they think that something went wrong with the surgery, even though they have good vision intermittently, we notice that in the clinic. So I'm excited. What do you think, uh, what do you think of the heavy lifting is with dry eyes and as far as bringing people into the uh, tent for treatment of blepharitis, focusing on Demodex? What, what are some challenges there? For you? Yeah, it's a great point. And I think you hit on two of them, actually, that I want to dig deeper on. So, so one is the impact of blepharitis on visual outcomes. And I think you hit the nail on the head. There's both the contact lens discontinuation and actually the visual effects um, and there's a very high prevalence of blepharitis patients undergoing cataract surgery. 60% of the, of the patients undergoing cataract surgery have blepharitis. So ultimately, you know, we wanted to treat a, a very real condition that had very real impact on patients' vision. And I think we, we certainly have that in uh, blepharitis. So, um, so this causes a number of different uh, signs and symptoms, um, as uh, the community knows. The, the signs are, are very clear. They're um, not only redness um, and swelling, but also um, different forms of debris and inflammation. So the collarettes that are seen um, in the eye care clinics are really the hallmark sign, the pathognomonic sign that a patient has demodex blepharitis. Uh, but beyond those signs, there are actually real symptoms, um, itching and burning. Um, and then um, the inflammation ultimately does lead to uh, blurred vision and um, contact lens discontinuation and poor surgical outcomes. So, so there's a there's a continuum there from signs to symptoms to visual outcomes. And the other point you hit on that I think is so important. There's a real parallel to dry eye disease. So when Michael and I looked at this, and now we have you know a really expert team at Tarsus, uh, folks with dry eye and really just depth in ophthalmology broadly, uh, from product to market. Um, we, we've all seen that there's so much learning to be done from dry eye. Um, you had in that condition, you know, if you rewind 15 years, um, a condition that was treated with mostly homeopathic over-the-counter uh, remedies such as artificial tears that now has been transformed with a treatment uh, and now multiple treatments that target different underlying causes of that disease. And so I think in a lot of ways, we're benefiting from the pioneering work that's been done in dry eye. Yeah, I think, you know, as you know, dry eye is a huge uh, problem. And for those of you who haven't seen uh, Bobby's video of the Colorettes, I think, I think if there's a, if there's an academy that we want, that we want for a short film and an ophthalmology, man, you should get that. That's that made such an impact on surgeons and KOLs at the Deer Valley Echoes meeting. I had like 15 people come up to me and be like, that was really gnarly. <laughs> that was so so good. It was so good. So impactful. I encourage you to take a look at that. But dry eye, uh, it's a massive problem. I mean, it it's so pervasive. It hits things like glaucoma, ocular surface. It, it affects outcomes in cataracts. It affects LASIK and refractive procedures. It affects a, a third of our patients in the clinic have dry eyes, and a lot of them have blepharitis. And so I'm, I'm I'm excited that you're there. And you know, Michael, like you mentioned earlier, with with the advent of um, Oculeve and now Oyster Point, really is really honing in on another patho pathogenesis of be able to solve this problem. But I do I I'm excited for this because it's a novel treatment. And, um, you know, we, it's the, the treatments that we have right now is very crude. So tell us a little bit, as much as you're comfortable on the active, um, product, the, the, the wonderful 
data you're getting with, and also the, uh, the, the just trials in general. Tell us, um, tell us a little more about that. I know it's been a challenge with the COVID, even for myself, patients are a little bit uh, hard to get into the clinic, but once this clears, tell us a little about that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to touch on one thing, that video. So that's been a crowd pleaser and, um, you know, we've, we've benefited from some great, uh, media talent in, in developing that. But I think it illustrates a very important point um, that actually leads into the drug and um, the, the trial results. And that's that we are targeting Demodex mites. Um, I don't think I, I went into as much depth there, but these mites are actually living in our eyelids. They, um, they cause about 45% of the um, blepharitis burden. So about 45% of blepharitis is caused by Demodex infestation. And that visual and visceral um, imagery that we get in that video, I think, is so key to understanding the underlying disease and also understanding how to diagnose and ultimately treat these patients. So another time we'll be able to show that video at a future OIS, but um, the Demodex infestation and um, that leading to cholerets is really a key um, insight and I think theme throughout uh, Tarsus's work. So in terms of the drug, um, as mentioned, we, we really honed in on Demodex blepharitis and sought to find the very best drug that existed for the treatment of Demodex, and I'm happy to report that we have that. So um, I can't say too much about the actual drug, but what I can tell you is um, it's yielding tremendous results in our clinical studies. So we've actually completed five phase two studies already, and um, that's kind of been in the theme of, of advancing rapidly into the clinic like we often do with device companies, but in this case, doing it in a careful way with a drug. And so we've done a series of phase 2A and phase 2B studies and the phase 2B randomized studies. And uh, we're soon publishing the results in a study called Jupiter. Um, what we found there is really three things, a, a rapid response, a complete response, and a durable response. And all of that with a very clean safety profile. So um, our drug TP03 uh, resulted in statistically significant improvements in cholerets by day 14. So a very rapid response, uh, a very complete response in that 95%, over 95% of patients had an improvement of two or more grades on a four-point choleret scale by the end of the treatment at day 28. And then a very durable response in that we've seen these results last for at least two months um, after treatment was stopped. And so that complete rapid durable effect, it also applies to the mite counts. We're looking at the average mites per lash upon epilating a lash and simply looking at the mites under the microscope. And again, we see a statistically significant difference at day 28 and actually a tenfold improvement from baseline with an average of only 0.2 mites per lash by the end of the study, starting with about three mites per lash at the beginning of the study. So that rapid, complete, durable efficacy is what we've seen time and again. Uh, we haven't seen actually any treatment-related adverse events, and we've seen very high tolerability for our patients. So that gives us a lot of confidence going into our phase three study and beyond that this is gonna be a really transformational treatment for blepharitis patients and specifically Demodex blepharitis. Yeah, I mean, in, and, you know, so to dovetail on that, on the blepharitis story, you know, th there's a lot of overlap, as you know, with the rosacea MGD. Can you tell us a little hint, a little bit of where you might be 
doing focus any phase two studies there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. As an internist, I didn't know about Demodex or blepharitis coming into this, but when I did some homework, um, it, it was clear that rosacea is a huge unmet need. It's actually caused by Demodex in a lot of the same ways. And as I just think about it, rosacea and, and blepharitis are a continuum, right? It's the skin leading to the eyelid. So um, naturally, we're looking at rosacea and MGD. There's a lot to learn from rosacea and a lot to do in rosacea and MGD. So we do plan to initiate phase two trials and in those indications later this year. Uh, we were fortunate to close a $60 million Series B financing led by really world-class eye care and um, specialty pharmaceutical investors. And um, I know, Asan, you're very familiar with, with some of those, um, including Visionary Ventures and, and certainly Bill Link's uh, firm, Flying L, and then Vivo and Frazier, who are two of the, the longest-running, um, most successful specialty pharma investors. And um, so that financing really allows us to not only advance the blepharitis product into phase three, but also to complete phase two trials in MGD and rosacea. So stay tuned on that. And, and frankly, there's more to come. So we have um, even broader opportunity beyond eye care and dermatology as we look forward to, to what this um, very focused approach, focused on unmet needs, focused on rapid clinical data, and really uh, transformational treatments. Uh, stay tuned on, on some other pipeline opportunities to come for Tarsus. So let's pivot on that because, you know, at OIS podcast here, where we um, really like to talk about the science and, you know, we're, we all love to geek out on the science and how, how the science helps our patients. But I really want to pivot. If I'm a young Bobby, you're still very young, by the way. But if, you're, if I was a younger Bobby and I'm trying to become like you, one of my sort of passions is how do you, what are some recipe, what are some clues that you uh, can sort of transfer to the folks that are listening to this? And um, the other, I mean, you guys, he, he raised 60 million in an environment that is, you know, not easy. I mean, it, you know, the, if you think about that, you know, raise now, I mean, the timing was great, but that's a large figure. And um, really at the end of the day, I think there's a lot to be learned about how to do that in a new novel disease state with no track record. So I, I'm not that you don't have a track record, but the, the actual disease state treatment doesn't. So that's a gift. And how do you, how do you do that? How do you go from where you were to you, where you are now? Can you give us some insight there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great question. And I've been thinking about it personally for over a decade since getting into entrepreneurship from medicine and, certainly have a lot of physician friends who um, want to get into entrepreneurship and I think have great potential to achieve a lot as entrepreneurs. So there's two themes that I always come back to um, and they always haven't been intuitive for me personally. I mean, one is maybe an obvious one and that's um, just surround yourself with great people. And, and that takes, I think, two different uh, avenues. Uh, one um, is I've always had really strong co-founders. Um, so, you know, Michael Ackerman certainly is a, a great business partner and friend, and I think we'll do a lot of things together in the future. But on all my companies, I've always had really strong business partners. And I think one plus one equals three in, in terms of actually having a strong business partner co-founder. It's, it's a lonely thing to found a company. So I think um, starting with just who you surround yourself with is important. And then certainly 
bringing the very best people to your company, people who are, you know, much better than you and much more expert than you in the different areas makes you strong. And that goes from board members to investors to, to everybody that you bring into your company, advisors and employees and, and all your partners. So this may be an obvious one, but look, I think we, we start companies for two reasons in, in my view. One is we have a problem we're very fascinated about and passionate about. And two is we want to work with people we want to work with. And, and in startups, you can do that actually in, uniquely. Um, so that's one theme. The other is just be patient. I mean, this doesn't happen overnight. It seems like there's lots of overnight successes in startups, but it takes, you know, often years, sometimes a decade to advance a new therapy. And so, you know, in terms of people wanting to become entrepreneurs, you do that because you have a sense of urgency and you want to change the world, but you have to be patient and you have to be methodical, um, certainly be aggressive, but, but you have to be patient to have success. So, so those are two um, themes, I guess, I would, I would uh, advise people about who want to get into this. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think it's it's remarkable because I think you nailed it. You have to be very patient, and I think part 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 of the problem that I see, and I don't know if it's just a generational thing or because of the you know the iPhone generation or all you know that I see is the distraction. I think it's really um, uh, important to focus. You know, put your head down and grind, even though it's boring and laborious. And you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, sounds flashy and exciting initially, but when that wears off, you really have to be patient, don't you? That's right. There's a lot of highs and lows. I think, as Bill Lynch put it, there's you know at least three near-death experiences that any startup goes through, and and there's probably more. You know, even on a daily basis, you're you're thinking, you know, how do I get around this uh, challenge or get over this hurdle? And so actually being persistent and having that force of will to, to get things done in a startup, it, it takes time and um, it doesn't all happen overnight. But then, you know, you have these really amazing highs, like when you get your first clinical data or when you, you know, get people like you, Asan, excited about this and start to, you know, uh, disseminate the message in the ophthalmology and optometry communities. So there's a lot of highs along the way, but um, it's almost like, doing research or I'm sure starting a practice, there's just, uh, there's just a lot of, um, you know, um, grinding it out, as you said, that's required. Terrific. Any parting words for uh, our young uh, listeners and listeners in general who are interested in uh, pursuing a, um, do they need an MBA? Do they, how do they learn the business stuff? Yeah, I think it takes a village to use the phrase. I think, um, you know, entrepreneurs can come from any different, um, background. It can be, you know, a business person who just recognizes a market opportunity and or an unmet need. It can be a clinician who, you know, recognizes a better way to do a procedure or a better way to treat patients. Um, it can be a scientist, right, who says, I've got this great new discovery or an engineer. Um, and, um, and then just make sure you get out there and talk to people, partner with people and realize you can't do it all yourself. Um, so, that's uh, probably the, the best advice I could give is don't be shy. You know, people will help you if you show that passion and you have uh, a really important new idea and new, new technology that you want to bring to market. It's a pleasure. Have a great day. It's been a real pleasure. 
hope you enjoyed this episode of the OIS podcast. Listen in for more episodes with the movers and shakers in ophthalmology and keep an eye out for our new virtual OIS, a series of online showcases featuring a selection of the most exciting therapies and development to address glaucoma, dry eye, presbyopia, and retinal degenerative diseases. If interested in presenting in one of our upcoming showcases, visit OIS.net and click Get Involved.